very excited about what, what God's got in store. And um, it's just an, it's an honor to be up here, you all. I just want you to know that it, it's a privilege uh, to stand here and, um, and just to speak to you. And I, I just hope I get to serve you well this morning. Um, we're going to have fun. We're going to hear God's word. But uh, I want you to know, like, I'm, I'm just so happy and so honored to, to be here. Um, I'm thankful for Pastor Wade and Cynthia. Let's give them one more round of applause. They, and they do so much for us. And I'm, so, I'm just glad that they're having some time as a family. I'm glad for those boys, for Judah and Elijah, um, you know, to, to have a good time with their family. And, of course, Ella Pearl doing her thing, busting a move for Jesus. And um, I'm sure she's going to do outstanding so just so thankful for them, and um, it's but it's, it's great great to be up here uh, this morning. Um, I want to I want to read to you from the book of Acts, chapter two, verses twenty five through twenty eight, and then we're gonna we're gonna pray. But I want to share this with you first. It says in Acts chapter two, verses twenty five through twenty eight, I see that the Lord is always with me. This is I'm sorry. This is Peter speaking. So the Holy Spirit um, has just filled the believers. Um, this is, this is a, a, a tremendous moment. And so Peter stand, stands uh, before the people and he says, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul to rot among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. I want to say that last one again. You will fill me with the joy of your presence. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to come together. We thank you for your word. And this morning, God, I just pray that as your word goes forth, God, it would accomplish its very purpose in all of our lives, God. Lord, we all stand in different situations. We stand in different pivotal moments in each of our lives, God. And I ask this morning that you would open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds to what you're saying. Open, our, open us up to what you're doing, God. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing here in Tallahassee at Emerge Church. And I pray, Lord, you would bless us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this passage comes, and, and this, is, this is Peter talking to, to the crowd, to a crowd of people. And it happened right after the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were, they were all praying together in an upper room. And the Holy Spirit came down and filled them. And, and Peter speaks before them. And he speaks before the people. And he, tell, he, he, quotes, he quotes King David from Psalm 16. And he says that, that line. He says, if you will not leave your soul to rot among the dead or allow your holy one to rot in the grave. That's a, he's quoting Psalms. He's quoting King David from a thousand years before. And so... The picture is that Jesus, he's already ascended into heaven. Jesus is, is gone. He's with the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father. And the disciples, they're still on earth. They know their Savior is risen, so they're filled with some hope. They're pumped up. They're excited. But it's still a little crazy back home. It's still crazy here on earth. It's still crazy in Jerusalem because it had only been a, f- a few weeks, several weeks, since they crucified Jesus. The religious leaders had, had killed Jesus. And so Peter and the disciples, 
you know, it's not, they're not throwing a parade out in the middle of the streets, you know, just celebrating and saying, hey, what's up, man? Jesus is alive. Woo! You know, we're out here. They're not throwing beads in the streets of Jerusalem because the religious leaders, they, they, thought, they, they thought they killed Jesus, and they did, but he rose again. Um, and so, yeah, right? And so they, they're, they're still upset about what's going on. They're, like, they're, they're thinking, we thought this was over. The religious leaders, the people who hated Jesus, they thought it was, it was over. And they're the ones with the influence, with the authority. They're the ones with the power, or so they think. And they're, they're trying to control this Jesus movement. They're trying to squash this Jesus movement. And Peter and the disciples, they're living in some crazy times. Imagine being wanted just for what you believe. I mean, there's probably posters up with sketches, like, you know, against the, the, the walls and stuff. The authorities are after these guys. This is, it is an uncertain and frightening time for Peter and the disciples. I just imagine if there was like an episode of Cops back then, you know, and the disciples are going around. They're doing their thing. They're doing their miracles, but there's, there's authorities. There's religious leaders out looking for them. Oh, we got a, we got a APB on the disciples here. Um, suspicious religious activity on the corner of... West and Main. I'm going to try and handle it. Send back up. And approaches the disciples. Approaches them like, hey, get your hands where I can see them. Let go of the crippled beggar and get your hands where I can see them. This is not okay. Jerry, put down the falafel. Back me up here. So it's an uncertain time. These disciples, they're, they're, they're on the lamb, if you will. And, uh, but the Holy Spirit comes and changes everything. The Holy Spirit comes and, and, and just sets the scene for a move of God, even though they're in, they're in a situation where they're, they're, they're scared, they're uncertain, they don't know what's going to happen. They just know that Jesus is alive and the Holy Spirit's with them. So this situation's crazy, but it, it shows us that even, even though the situation is out of my control, I can have joy in the middle of it. It's very interesting that right after the Holy Spirit comes, Peter references joy. He says, he says, you have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Come on. This whole summer, we've been talking about living life to the fullest. And man, it's been an incredible summer. I've loved just sitting and learning and hearing about everything that God's doing in our lives and what he, what he can do. Pastor Wade has done an incredible job just teaching us and showing us, you know, from, being, from just learning that, hey, you're invited. You're invited to, to have a full life. You're invited to, uh, to the God's table so that your life can be full. When we learned how God plays so many roles in our lives as, as a deliverer, as a healer, as, as a provider, um, we, we learned about how powerful God's word is and that we can rely on what he said and God's worth is truth and it brings life. And then we learned about how we can receive God's grace and how his grace is life-changing. We don't have to earn God's favor, but we receive it and we live for him by his very grace. We also learned about how people and plans and our perspective can keep us from having a miraculous breakthrough. You know, we learned about what's holding us back and how we can, we can let Jesus heal us if, we, if we're just ready to give up some of the things that are holding us back. We can pick up our mats and we can walk in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. And then finally, last week, we learned that help is here, that the Holy Spirit is here, and he fills us and he empowers us so that we can have joy no matter 
what. And that's what we're talking about this morning. The title of the message, if you're taking notes, is no matter what. No matter what. The Holy Spirit is here, and he has filled us, and he empowers us. And today, we can have joy no matter what. Because living life to the fullest means that my joy is unconditional. Unconditional. So let's go ahead and just start to break it down. You know, what is joy? What is joy? In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Come on, amen. Yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit produces that fruit in our lives. So joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not just an emotion. It's not a, a, a euphoria. It's not, you know, the greatest achievement in your life, even though those things are special and that's, that stuff is fun. But joy is a spiritual fruit from God, from the Holy Spirit. And so God produces this in our, in our lives as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. If you're lacking joy, you may want to ask, how active are you letting the Holy Spirit be in your life? It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to grow it. Some of y'all maybe may have a, maybe a garden, or some of you may like to um, you take care of your potted plants, and you've got it all decorated. You know, maybe it's in a sunroom, or you've got a nice, uh, you've got a nice set, set up on the back porch, and you've got your plants hanging, and you love, you love to plant, to grow, and maybe you grow your own uh, seasonings or vegetables, that kind of stuff. It's something that takes time, and it takes nurturing. And so that's what the Holy Spirit can do in us. We let him nurture us. We let him fill us. He can grow that stuff in our lives. He can grow all those things. And some of you are like, I know what you're talking about. Joey, I know what you're talking about because I need that, that faithfulness. I need that self-control. I need the patience. And so there's some of those, we, we heard them and we're like, oh, yeah, I need that one. That's, that's the one I want. You know, it's, it's like, it's that survey. You get that customer survey. Like, what did you enjoy in your experience? I enjoyed the patience of God. I enjoyed the, uh, the faithfulness. I need, uh, yes, I enjoyed, the, I enjoyed the self-control, um, the love, all about the love, all about love. Love it. And sometimes we just we skip over joy. We can skip over joy. Um, we, we treat it almost too casually. When we read that verse, we, we, we say, you know, love, joy, peace, patience. You know, peace, yes, hey, we need some peace in the household. And so we just kind of skip over joy and kind of forget about it sometimes. Sometimes we think joy is just, you know, it's, for, it's a Christmas time thing. It's joy, joy to the world, you know, just joy. Or we use it in reference to other things. We talk about the things that make us proud, you know. That's my pride and joy. Right there, graduating kindergarten, you know. Or maybe you've got that uncle. She's my pride and joy. That 88 Camaro I've been taking care of for years. It's our pride and joy. Then why is it on blocks in the backyard? But that's okay. It's okay. Whatever you find joy in, that's great. But we can misunderstand what joy really is because we treat it so casually. God produces joy in our life as a result of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. In Psalm chapter 51, verse 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Joy is derived from the presence of God. From the presence of God. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Now, I've, I've said this probably a hundred times, and many times, I, I, if I'm recalling it, I'm thinking, this, the, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I've said that plenty of times, restore to the joy of my salvation. But the Bible says it's his salvation that he gives to us. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. And so there's a joy that comes from God's presence that he gives to us. And so let's not forget where our joy is coming from. Real joy comes from God. It comes from God. So it's a spiritual fruit, and joy comes from the presence of God, comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, what happens is we get joy really mixed up a lot of times. And so I want to just tell you some things that we, we get joy confused with. We get joy confused with other things, such as happiness. We get joy confused with happiness. And for many of us, it's even become synonymous, happiness and joy. You know, joy and happiness. And it's something we do all the time, including myself, is we live and and, and we use happiness and joy interchangeably. Now, there's nothing wrong with being happy, but it is an emotion. Happiness is an emotion Whereas joy is a spiritual fruit. Come on. Happiness is an emotion, whereas joy is a spiritual fruit that comes from God. Happiness is circumstantial. Okay? So maybe you're like me and you have a a favorite sports team. You have some favorite sports teams you like to watch. And uh, you go to the games and you cheer for them and you root for them. You wear their colors and you're all about them. And when they don't win, when they lose... You know, you got, that remote on your sofa is like clinging to God. Please, please don't let me fly across the room. That would not make me happy. I just got new batteries last week, you know. So we don't want two things in the house being unhappy, but it's circumstantial. And, man, I can't, I can't count the number of times. One of my teams, you know, I, I'm an LSU fan, so I pull for LSU. And, hey, go Knowles, though. Go Knowles. All right, they're not in the SEC. It's cool. Go Knowles. Um, just want to make that clear. And, uh, and, and you know, just afterwards, I'm just like, man, that stinks. Okay, now we're seven and three. But hey, Jesus is alive. Amen. Praise God. You know, so it's, it's, it's not, happiness is not the same thing as joy. Now, there's nothing wrong with being happy, but it is circumstantial. In fact, um, some, of you, some of you might be thinking, well, Joey, you know that the Declaration of Independence says that the pursuit of happiness is an inalienable right, okay? An inalienable right. We're, the our government is set up to protect us and provide for us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God bless America. You know, and that's true. That's true. And so it, it is guaranteed in, in, the de- you know, in the Declaration of Independence. It says that Thomas Jefferson wrote that. But I want you to know, here's a little history lesson, that that phrase really comes from the English philosopher John Locke, the English philosopher John, Ro- John Locke, he wrote that the government should guarantee us life, liberty, and property. Life, liberty, and property. If you, if you want to check me, go look it up. Go ask your professor. Go ask your history teacher. Okay? And to me, that says, well, that's great and all, but it looks like Jefferson there was really just trying to sound uh, a little smarter than Mr. Locke. He, he's like, yeah, property, that sounds so basic. Pursuit of happiness, yeah. You know, it's like when you get an answer and you're like, you're trying, you copy someone else's answers for the, for the, for the homework, but you want to embellish it to put, put it in your own words, all right? 
Come on, hey, no disrespect to Thomas Jefferson, but he was just putting it in his own words when really it meant property. And to me, if we're out here pursuing property, that's good stuff. Look, property is good. Stuff is good, but it's not, from, it's not, it's not God. Okay, stuff is good, it's not God. And so if we're set on for the pursuit of happiness, maybe we should think about pursuing joy a little bit more. Because the pursuit of happiness, according to our, according to, you know, our great foundational document, is really just about the, the opportunity and the right to have stuff. And God is bigger than just us having stuff. Amen? Come on. Look, I, I, lo- I love my country, but I just had to throw that in there. Joy can also, it, not only will, is it confused with happiness, it can also be confused with pleasure. Joy can be confused with pleasure. Now, pleasure is anything that feels good, tastes good, looks good, sounds good, anything that makes us feel good. You know, it gets, it gets that, those chemicals in your brain. I, I, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know, like, all of them. I didn't study this out like Pastor Wade might have done. Um, but uh, it, it gets those chemicals in your brain. I, I don't know if it's, like, dopamine or something. You know, pleasure is like, yeah, love it feels great this is awesome you know and so we can confuse that with we can we link that with happiness many times where we're in pursuit of pleasure and we confuse that with joy now pleasure is what we chase when we don't have enough joy pleasure is what we chase when we don't have enough joy i read something on twitter uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna paraphrase here but uh it was uh it was this this uh this like girl quote it said uh what do you do when what do you do when you're in your feelings and you, and you feel unhappy? Add to cart. <laughs> Click add to cart. And that's that's what we do. I don't feel great. But you know what? Those shoes make me feel great. You know, that it's been a rough week. I've got the room with my credit card. That big screen TV is gonna make me feel great. You know, so we chase pleasure, we chase stuff. And look, I've been there too, okay? Come on. Uh so pleasure is what we chase when we don't have enough joy. Pleasure and comfort, they can easily become our substitute for joy when we don't spend enough time with God. Pleasure and comfort can easily become our substitute for joy when we don't spend enough time with God. Now, we're going to keep talking about this. I want you to know joy is incredible. When we get to joy, it's going to knock your socks off. I'm, just, I'm pumped, but we're, we're getting there, okay? I, I know some, some of you are like, man, I just... This is rough, man. I don't, it's going to get a little bit worse, but then the good news is coming. Amen? So pleasure, pleasure is temporary. Joy is eternal. Pleasure is part-time. Joy is full-time. Okay? Chasing pleasure leads to momentary satisfaction, whereas joy brings eternal fulfillment. Joy brings eternal fulfillment. Now, there's nothing wrong with some of the things we do for pleasure. Okay, maybe you enjoy, maybe you take lots of pleasure in taking the boat out onto the bay and w- with the sea dews and you love to get out there and you're whipping it around and you're, you know, you're creating wakes and you're throwing the kids off the, off the, uh, you know, they're th- off the raft in the back and you're just having a great time. Got the sunglasses on, you know, that's fun. Yeah, it's pleasurable. There's no, I'm not saying that's wrong. But what happens is we begin to chase pleasure so much we've got to watch the cost. We pay for pleasure because in the pursuit of pleasure, in the pursuit of pleasure, because we're searching for something to replace that joy that we're lacking, what cost are we paying for pleasure? What convictions are we compromising for pleasure? What boundaries are we crossing 
for pleasure that we know that's a healthy boundary I shouldn't have cost. And the cost could be greater than what I, what I thought it would be. That's the, that's the hitch. What's the cost to the pleasure? And I tell you, there, there is a cost. There is a cost. And that brings me to my, my next point. One thing we confuse joy with is selfishness. Now, you may say, okay, that's, that's, that's easy. That joy is not selfishness. I know selfishness is bad, Pastor Joey, but it's in God, and joy is good, okay? Don't try to trick me. The thing is, we're being tricked into thinking that selfishness is joy. Because the more we pursue pleasure, the more it becomes about us. The more we, the more we try to fill that void where the joy should be, the more it's about us. And selfishness is a lifestyle that strictly seeks pleasure. A selfish lifestyle is one that strictly seeks pleasure. You've abandoned joy, and you're, it's all about pleasure. It's all about what makes me feel good. It's all about what looks good to me, what sounds good to my ears. It's all about what, what tastes good to me. It's about me. Selfishness can, what happens is we, we start to replace, we want to be happy, and so, okay, well, I, didn't, I didn't spend enough time with God this week, so, you know, I need something to make me feel good, I want to be happy, so I'm going to chase this pleasure right here, and the, the more we, we, we lean into that habit, the more we lean into that, that motive of, let me get more pleasure, let me get more pleasure, and we don't set out to do this, this is something that happens naturally, it's, it's subtle, and it happens in the backgrounds of our hearts, that we don't take the time to pause and think, okay, what, what am I doing, what, what would God think about this, we just forget about God in our busyness, and in our, in our selfish motivations, in those little lies that we tell ourselves, we, we pursue pleasure, and that leads slowly, steadily building up to its snowballs into a selfish lifestyle. No one set out to be a selfish, egomaniac, egomaniac tyrant. Nobody set out to be that way. We follow our sinful desires because we don't have the joy of the Lord, and that's how we become selfish. It's a, it's a sliding scale. Come on. And so we, we get in this place, and selfish people are not joyful people. If you've been around somebody who's selfish, there's not a whole lot of joy there. Selfishness, it's not even about what I want. It's, it's not what I want. It's who I'm about. It's not about I need all this for me, me, me. It's I'm all about me at this point. And when you're all about you, where's the room for God? Where's God at play here? Where's God at work here? You're all about you. So the big picture is that those with no joy don't care about others. The big picture is that when I live a selfish lifestyle, I live to get what I want no matter what. The world is the way it is because the people have forgotten about the joy of the Lord. The world is the way it is because so many individuals have taken the choice. Every person counts. So many individuals have taken the, have made the choice that I want what's best for me and I don't care about anybody else. When so many people make that choice, when, they, when we forget to care about our neighbor, like Jesus said, if everybody just cared about their neighbor a little bit more, the world might be a better place. There's, there's no, you know, man-made institution out to get you and make your life worse. We live in a fallen world, ladies and gentlemen. 
This world is corrupt, and we need some Jesus. We need some joy of the Lord. That's the way it is the way it is because people begin to pursue pleasure. It says it in the Old Testament. Paul referenced it in the New Testament. But when you begin to choose joy, when you begin to choose God's presence, you make a difference in your life and in your world. And if enough people pursue God's presence to pursue joy in their world, it can become the world. Come on. Come on. Big picture. There's a big picture. The joy that comes from God cannot come from an earthly relationship. Now, I want to be careful here. The, the joy of the Lord cannot come from your spouse or your child. The joy, because the joy of the Lord comes from the Lord. Now, you can enjoy who God gave you. Come on, you can enjoy who you made a commitment to. Come on, with that sacred covenant of marriage, you can enjoy that person that God has given you. You can enjoy that child that God has given you, but they're not the source of your joy. God is the source of joy, the Holy Spirit. Joy is a spiritual fruit, okay? Joy is a spiritual fruit because you may love being around that person. You're in love. You love, you love your kids, and they, they can make you happy sometimes. Sometimes they can make you unhappy, okay? I can't count the number of times I made my parents unhappy, all right? I'm glad my mom didn't get all her joy from me. <laughs> Lord have mercy. You can enjoy who God gave you. We can have joyful moments with them, and we treasure those moments. That's the stuff, man, you hope somebody's got a camera phone on and capturing that moment because you're going to blow it up and you're going to frame that thing in that moment. Come on. I love those moments, too. I love those moments with my family where they just they feel like you're like, and this is bliss, man. <laughs> They're not even fussing and fighting. You know, my, my, my spouse is, we're, we're, we're getting along great. You know, the, everything's, I did all my honeydews. You know, you're just in a great moment, and it's a joyful moment, but that joy comes from God. Amen? We can have joyful moments with them, but that doesn't mean our joy comes from them. So we've learned what joy is, who provides it, where it comes from. Now, it's a spiritual fruit. How does it shape us? If it's from God and it's a spiritual fruit, how does it affect us? And that's what I want to talk about, these last three points. How does joy shape me? How does joy shape me? Number one, it shapes your attitude. It shapes your attitude. The joy of the Lord no says no matter what, I have an expectation. Joy says, no matter what, I have an expectation. I'm looking forward to something. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God who started the work in you, he's going to finish it. And we're just waiting patiently, faithfully. Waiting in the joy of the Lord for that day to come. You see, no matter what I have an expectation says, I expect that the best is yet to come. I haven't had the best yet. It's still, it's still out there. And that's a, that's, a good, that's a good expectation to have. Come on. Anybody in here enjoy going to the movies? Anybody in here like going to the movies? Growing up, my favorite part of the movies were the previews. Come on, because even if the movie bombed, the previews gave you hope. 
even if the movie stunk. Man, the previews, though, that's com- they're coming. All right. When I, when I, so when I was younger, Batman and Robin came out. Batman and Robin with George Clooney. That movie was awful. But I tell you what, I'm sure I enjoyed those previews. I went with my aunt. She brought me to the movies. We went and saw that movie. And uh, even, even back then as a kid, I was like, man, this, this movie kind of stinks. Um, <laughs> but the previews were great. I love that. Even, and back in the day on VHS, anyone under 20 years old, that's an old way to watch movies. They had previews on the VHS tapes. You knew it would be coming out on video in like nine and a half months. Like, Yes. I love that movie. We're going to have it. When I'm in sixth grade. All right. It's coming. There was always something good coming out. And I, I mean, I still enjoy that about watching trailers. Now they put all the trailers online anyway. So if you've got an internet connection and, uh, and YouTube, you can go look at the trailers. Look, that stuff to me is like crack sometimes, y'all. I'm serious. Like, look, I'll just be like, I, mean, I don't know what's coming out in a long time. I, I don't know what's coming out in the phase four of Marvel, the MCU. I'm going to go look at those trailers for about 35 minutes. Come on. <laughs> when I believe that the best is yet to come, that my joy is perpetual. When I believe that the best is yet to come, my joy is perpetual. I choose to believe the best about others. My attitude is shaped so that I choose to believe the best about others. To believe in the best case scenario, the best possible outcome. Now, there's, a, word, there's a, a phrase of wisdom I've heard before. Believe the best, prepare for the worst. There's nothing wrong with that. Be ready. Because we've seen the worst in people. But I believe that God has challenged us this morning to try and believe the best about them. Because you may be the only person in their life who believes the best about that person. I want to give a shout out to our educators out there, our coaches. You might be the only person in that student's life, in that player's life, who believes that they're capable of the best. God bless you. You keep believing the best in that kid because they need you. I choose to believe the best case scenario. Joy shapes my attitude because heaven is on the horizon. No matter what, my father is waiting on me and I'm going to get my place at his table. Heaven is waiting. The best is yet to come. Joy shapes my attitude because I haven't had the best yet. Real quick, um, to, uh, I, I, back home in Louisiana, I was a coach on a high school football team, and I love being a part of that. I was not the head coach. I'm not, I'm not that bright. Um, but I love, I love football, and I love coaching kids. And we had this amazing game where our team, at our own homecoming game, we came back from being like 22 points down at halftime. And uh, it looked bleak, but the, 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 the team persevered, and we ended up scoring a bunch of points, and we, we, we won that game. And after that game, it, it, was, it was euphoric. I mean, I, I wasn't on the field, but I was as hype as all, all, the, all the guys, and I was so pumped. I remember sitting in my car just, just thinking, wow, this is incredible. I'm so proud of these guys. And I was on, I was on a high, guys. I was just so high and full of emotion. Um, I sat in my car, but this is what I thought. This is amazing, and I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of what God has done at this school and with this team. But this, is, this doesn't even touch heaven. What I feel right now, what I just witnessed, what I was a part of, this doesn't touch what God's got in store for me in heaven one day. It doesn't touch it. Come on. Joy shapes my behavior. 
Joy leads me to selfless living. Joy leads me to selfless living. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, not even caring about the shame. Jesus took the cross because he knew what was on the horizon. He knew what he was set up for. He knew what he was setting us up for. Jesus knew the consequences of his actions would release joy across all ages. So he endured the suffering. He was of one mindset to do this one thing that God had planned for him to do because of the joy that was waiting for him. He stiff-armed the shame and accomplished the goal that God had set before him because he knew the, the results it would bring. Joy leads me to serve. Joy leads me to serve. Just last weekend, we had Serve Day 2019. Come on, give it up, give it up for each other. Our joy led us to go out and help people in our community, to help local organizations, to help local schools. Joy leads me to serve. Joy leads me to give. When we have joy, we want to share it. Come on, I don't know how you can just be there and, 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 and have the joy of the Lord and not want to share it with somebody. Now, some of you may be like, what? Can I get obnoxious or anything? Who cares? Who cares? You may rub somebody the wrong way, but maybe they need to be rubbed the wrong way, okay? Maybe they need to see, oh, wow, that person's really, really happy. And I, I, don't, I don't, did something happen? Did I, did I miss something? Okay. They see something different and peculiar in your joy, in your joy, and you can lead them. You want to share it. You want to share the joy that God has given you. Happy to help. We've all heard that before. I'm happy to help. Happy to help is the attitude of a joyful servant. Joy shapes my behavior and leads me to selfless living. It leads me to serving. Finally, joy shapes our course. Joy shapes our course. Our course, I'm going to throw an acronym at you. Our course is this. Every day, Jesus, others, and yourself. Jesus, others, and yourself. J-O-Y. It's joy. Okay? It sets our course. It sets a rhythm, if you will. Joy sets the rhythm of each day. You see, our focus shifts because our priorities are in line from being in God's presence. Our focus shifts that we develop this godly rhythm, this joyful rhythm of it's all about Jesus, it's about others, and then it's about me. It says in Nehemiah chapter 8, I'm sorry, Luke 9, 24. I skipped a verse. Luke 9, 24. This is one of, my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Jesus said that. If you try to hang on to your life, if you're hanging on to your life, if you, if you want it all about you and it's your way, it's your direction, it's what you want, you're going to lose it. You can't grip it tight enough. You're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You give it to me, you will save your life. Jesus said that. He sets the rhythm of each day with his joy. Our focus shifts. In Nehemiah chapter 8, Verse 10, this is the King James Version. 
It says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I want to break it down real quick. I did, did some research here, and I looked up the true meaning of that word joy. I looked up the Hebrew, the Hebrew meaning, and that here the word joy translated from Hebrew is kedva. Kedva, which means gladness or joy. Now, joy is all over the Bible. There's all sorts of mentions of joy and gladness in the Bible. But this word, kedva, is only mentioned one other time. One other other time. One One other time. Okay? Because their language is different from our language, all right? I don't know if they were smarter than us or we're not. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But this word is mentioned one other time in the Bible. The word kedva is used once in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 27. And this is what it says. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. That word gladness is the same word we just learned. Kedva. That word gladness is interchangeable with joy. So the joy of the Lord is your strength. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Now, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That means that the strength is a strength of protection. God protects us in his presence. The joy is our protection. And then to to read that glory and honor are in his presence, in his place, that strength and gladness, kedva, are in his place. We're protected. The protection is our strength. Gladness, God is saying God's gladness and his joy are in his presence. They are also our strength, which means we're under his protection. Going back to where we started, when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, it made God's presence portable. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they could take that joy wherever they went. It made God's presence portable. And so what this, what this word is showing us is that the joy of the Lord doesn't have to just be in one place. His presence, his protection can go with us wherever we go. Because the joy is in his presence. And the Bible makes it clear that God is with us wherever we go. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be with you wherever you go. The helper is with you. What if the joy you found in God's presence here on a Sunday or in a small group could now go anywhere and everywhere you went? What if it didn't have to be a specific place, but you knew the place was simply God's presence? God's presence is where that joy is found. And you can take it with you. And that's what the disciples discovered when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They could take God's presence, God's presence with them. The Bible says that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. Now look, your temple is on the go. Sometimes your temple is at work. Sometimes your temple is at the ballpark. Sometimes your temple is here in this temple, a lovely cafeteria where we can enjoy God's presence. But you can take your temple to some other place. You can go to Gordo's and get the Maui fingers, get the Mahi fingers, and you can have your temple right there and feast on a meal at the Lord's table over there, all right? Shout out to Gordo's. I don't know, I just thought of that, okay? Also, shout out to Surge students. Love y'all. But your temple... You make God's presence portable. What if the joy you found in his presence, what if his joy could protect your thoughts, could preserve your peace and guard your heart? 
no matter what environment you step into? What if anywhere you went, the presence was portable with you? No matter what is happening, when the joy of the Lord is your strength, it makes his presence portable. In the last several years, there's been a, just a dramatic increase in technology and wireless capabilities and, and media. And one thing I love about it is that I can take out this device and with the proper Wi-Fi connection or data plan, I can observe as many highlights as I want. It's not, and it's not just from one place. I can go to a multitude of, of websites, of sports media outlets, and I can just watch home runs. I can see all the dingers I want. I can see all the slam dunks I want. I can see all the touchdown receptions, all the sacks in a football game because the defense is savage. I can see them all that I want because this makes it portable. See, back in the day, ESPN was basically like the only place you could see that stuff. Sports Center was where you went to for your highlights because, I mean, you just had the indestructible Nokia that you could throw 50 yards and it'd still live. But thank God, thank God for some advancement. And I want you to know the highlights, the moments with God that you experience here in the congregation, here in a service, they're not just limited to here. Because the joy of the Lord is a highlight you can take with you anywhere you want. You can be in the DMV waiting. <laughs> They're worse in Louisiana. I went to the DMV a few weeks ago here in Tallahassee, and oh my gosh, it was a revelation, y'all. Tallahassee is blessed. We are blessed here. Hallelujah. I, got my, I might have got my joy from the DMV that day. Maybe not God. But you can go anywhere you want and have a highlight moment with God because joy makes his presence portable. Joy makes his presence portable. You can have the joy of the Lord. That expectation goes with you wherever you are. No matter what's going on, no matter what conflict you may be facing, no matter what situation you're in, no matter how loud that parent is yelling at the umpire at, that, at, at the ballpark, you can have joy to restrain yourself and let them embarrass themselves so you don't end up on somebody else's highlight video, okay? Come on. You can have joy wherever you're at so that you have a sound mind, so that you can make clear decisions. And you know that despite what I'm facing, despite what my kids are going through, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to help them handle this, despite the things that have been going on in my marriage, despite the boss's demands, I know that God has chosen me and that God loves me. And that even though this job is working me to death, the best is yet to come. Heaven is on the horizon because my his presence is portable with me everywhere I go I've got the goodness of God going on in my heart living life to the fullest means my joy is unconditional no matter what no matter what his joy it's more than just a Christmas time emotion. It's a spiritual fruit. And if we let God cultivate that fruit in our hearts, when you walk, you make his presence portable. 
not just for you, but we sang a song earlier. It said he makes the darkness tremble. And when you bring that light inside of you into the room, the light in you, it's not you, it's not you. The Bible says we're, we're merely vessels for his, for his glory, but it's Jesus inside of you. It's his presence inside of you. You walk into a room and you, with God in you, will make that darkness tremble. The presence of God in you is portable, and you can go anywhere. The darkness cannot extinguish it. Light shines no matter what. And so I want you to know that God is confident in you, that when you have his joy, you take his presence. It's not just God. It's God using you. And I believe someone needed to hear that this morning, that God is inside you. And you may be fearful of that, of that circumstance. You may be fearful of that situation. You may be fearful of that group of people. You may be fearful and, and uncertain about that world workplace because the things they talk about have nothing to do with God. It's all about seeking pleasure and they're making mistakes and they're chasing, they're chasing pleasure. They're chasing things and their lives are falling apart and they expect you to just conform. But you walk into that workplace because you have the joy of the Lord and it is your shelter. It is your strength. It is your protection and you don't have to be some holy roller coming to show off, but you bring grace to that situation. You bring goodness. You bring joy and who cares if you get on their nerves because somebody's got to get on their nerves or Jesus because Jesus loves them. You make their presence portable because you carry it with you. God wants to use you. Anytime God wants to change something in the Bible, he used a person. He used a person and God wants to use you and you make his presence portable. He's just that good. He's just that good. This morning, I want to give us all an opportunity to be on the same page with God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God today, I want to pray with you. If you say, Pastor Joey, I really want what you're talking about. I've made some choices that, that, that's led me away from joy. I've sought the pleasures. I've sought the temptations and where I'm at I don't like I don't like where it's brought me if you want the joy of the Lord if you would like to get right with God today if you want his love and his joy inside your heart if you would like to ask God for forgiveness I would love to pray with you if you're making a decision to follow Jesus if that's you this morning just simply raise your hand no one's going to embarrass you no one's going to call you out. You don't have to stand up. Just raise your hand right where you're at. If you say, I need that joy in my life. Awesome. Fantastic. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see your hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Anybody else? No one's looking this is between you and God. It's a private moment. We don't want to embarrass anybody. I see your hand. God's so good. We can have his joy with us. If you, if you, if you lifted your hand, I just want to pray with you. And everyone, everyone here, if you believe, like we believe here at Emerge, I want you to join in this prayer and just agree along with me. I'd like to lead, lead you in, in a prayer and just repeat these words together in faith. Dear God, thank you for making me 
and for loving me. This morning, I want your joy. I need your love. I need your forgiveness. I'm sorry for what I've done. And I'm thanking you for what you offer me. Jesus, come into my heart and make things right. I choose to follow you and receive your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for them.